with you. It's so special. And uh, welcome to all of you again. If you came in late, uh, my name is Dave, and I'm one of the pastors here. And it's really an honor and privilege to be here with you this Christmas morning. So happy that you were able to come here and celebrate with us and to worship our King. It's a great, great occasion, but, um, but if statistics are correct, then um, many of you right about now are experiencing like a sudden bout of sadness, or all of a sudden you feel depressed, and you're not exactly sure why. But, you know, studies show that around this time, seasonal depression is very real, and all of a sudden, you're feeling that right in this Christmas season. There are a lot of reasons to that, but you know, maybe one of the reasons is that this is the season where everything around you tells you that you should be happy and joyful, but to be honest, you're not that happy and joyful. And there's something inside of you that feels distant from that expectation. In fact, in 2018, um, there was a Times Magazine article that came out that was titled, uh, Trying to be happy is making you miserable. Right? Trying to be happy is making you miserable. And the point of the article in, in Time Magazine was basically that what we are trying so hard to be happy, but when we look at our lives, we see so many imperfections. Or we see so many things that are wrong with us, and the pressure to be happy is crushing. It's crushing because the, the, the pressure from the outside that you, we ought to be happy and you want to be happy and the pressure is getting to you and the article is entitled, Trying to be happy is making you miserable. Miserable. And that's what happens when we look inward uh, for this happiness. But this Christmas season, you know, when I look at the Bible and I look at the New Testament stories of those who actually found joy um, in Christmas, uh, these old stories that many of you know, uh, what I find is that they find happiness and joy, fulfillment, not by looking at their own lives, but by wondering and staring into this thing that Christians call the incarnation, uh, this truth that God became man. And um, if you're not a Christian or if you're unaware, that's actually the core of Christmas. Uh, that's what we think about and we remember and we celebrate, that God became man. We call that the incarnation. And when I look at the Bible and I look at the New Testament, I see people who actually find their way to joy by looking at this, by looking at the incarnation. And they, you know, you get the word in the Christmas hymns, and they adore him. Come, let us adore him. And they come into adoration and joy by thinking about this, the fact that God becomes man. Because in that truth, what you find is something that is way bigger than you, but something that is actually for you. Way bigger than you, uh, but for you. And I want to invite you into wondering about this with me um, this Christmas. You could try to be happy. You could try to do it on your own. And you could try to find happiness this Christmas season, but it just might make you miserable, according to Time Magazine. But today, I'll, I want to suggest that if you stare into this thing, God become man, you just might find joy. So if you have a Bible with you, turn to Luke 1. In Luke 1, I'm going to read verses 34 to 38. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to have it up on the screen for you. And so let me read for you Luke 1. This is uh, verses 34 to 38. This is the account where an angel comes to Mary and tells her that she will uh, bear the Messiah, the God-man in her. And this is Mary's response in verse 34, okay? 
And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Joy through wonder, um, that's what we're talking about today. Sounds good, joy through wonder. Um, But the thing about wonder is this, wonder and awe is it's a little bit disorienting. Uh, wonder, if you think about it, the la- when's the last time you wondered at something? When's the last time you were struck with awe, right? Um, well, awe and wonder, if you think about it, it's disorienting, um, and it can be confusing. And when you think about this idea at Christmas that God became man, that's exactly what could happen to you. It could be really perplexing. It could be really confusing. And so lots of people just decide not to deal with it. And so we have two choices with Christmas. We can either just focus on the nice and easy and shiny Christmas, but the thing is that it's not deeply fulfilling. There's something missing in that. And you could end up just like in Time Magazine said, with a deep hole, right, missing in your heart. The other option is to look at Christmas differently and to actually look at this God become man truth, the incarnation. But the problem with that is that it's deeply confounding. It's perplexing, right? It's hard. But I want to invite you into doing that today because if we do that, actually there's an epiphany in there that will actually reach your heart. But I also want to say that you are allowed to be perplexed at this and we should be perplexed at this. Look at Mary's response when she's told that she's going to bear this child, the God become man. What does she say? She says, how will this be? How is that possible? We don't know exactly how old Mary was, but she's probably around 14 at this time. And when she hears the news, she's deeply humbled by this news and honored. But at the same time, she's struggling here. She's struggling to understand. She says, how? I don't get it. How can this be? And the angel explains it to her in verse 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Now, she doesn't say, oh, okay, I get it. Why didn't you just say so? I understand it completely now. No, she's still confused. She still doesn't understand it. And that's not really the point. She takes her time with this. In fact, later on in the narrative, it says that she pondered it in her heart. I think that's why I really relate to Mary, because she's a processor, She takes her time to think about things. She's not afraid to be confused. Uh, She ponders at this. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, I just want to give you that permission through Mary's story that you are allowed to ask questions, that you are allowed to wonder at this. Sometimes non-believers, you could be made to feel guilty for asking questions about things that are sacred. But look at Mary. Look at Mary. She's perplexed here, and yet she's not judged by God. We should take our time with this, and if you're here, you're not a Christian, you don't believe in this. I want to give you permission to take your time, ask the questions, because this is such a deep truth 
This is a, maybe the deepest truth. In fact, there's a, a theologian named J.I. Packer, and what he said was that this might be the most difficult one. Because if we can accept the fact that God became man, then a lot of the other bigger things that come down the line in the Christian story, I can accept. For example, if God actually became man and that works, the fact that God died to forgive sins, he says, I can accept that. If he's divine, I understand that. And then the fact that Jesus Christ, he, he, if he's divine, that he would rise from the dead on the third day. He says, if he's God, okay, I get it. But he says, but it's this. It's this one that's so difficult. It's this one. In fact, let me read you a quote from his book, Knowing God. J.I. Packer said this, it is here it is here in the thing that happened at the very first Christmas that the profoundest and most unfathomable depths of the Christian revelation lie. The word become flesh. Nothing in fiction is so fantastic as this truth of the incarnation. He says, this is it. This is the one that we have a hard time with. Uh, I love how he puts it. He says, it's a fantastic truth. It is true, but it's a fantastic truth. And if you don't believe in this fantastic truth yet, I want to ask you, don't just overlook it. Take your time with it. Mary pondered this in her heart. She treasured it in her heart. And I think she gives us permission here in this story to wonder with her. Because I think there's two different kinds of doubts, right? There's the kind of doubt that just sets out to prove things wrong, right? That no matter what you hear, you're not going to be uh, swayed. That you're just out to prove it wrong. There's that kind of doubt, a very hard-hearted doubt, but then there's a second kind of doubt, and that doubt is the doubt that actually sets out to seek the truth. I think Mary has the second kind of doubt here. She's wondering at this. She's perplexed. And if you don't believe in this, I really invite you, wonder at it. Wonder at it. That's what the Lord is calling you to this Christmas. But Christians, Christians who are here, I also call you to wonder at this. You know, Christians can become too familiar with this. And Christmas can turn into nostalgia, and we, get to, you know, we go through Christmas too easily. But my brothers and sisters, we need to wonder at this this Christmas. If the incarnation of Jesus Christ doesn't engender in you at least a little bit of disorientation, discomfort, if you're not feeling a little bit of dissonance in your heart when you think about the incarnation, I would say you're probably not thinking about the incarnation. This Christmas, if you're not feeling a little bit of tension with God become man, and you feel like you just get it, you probably are not thinking rightly about it. And even if you are a Christian, it's so important that you engage with this, because unless you engage with this, you're not going to find a heart of worship. Look, none of us worship things that we fully understand. None of us worship things that we fully grasp things that you understand exhaustively, you don't worship it. You're not in awe and wonder of it. You have to wonder at this. You have to feel a little bit of the dissonance because it's in this incarnation that we find our doorway to joy, just like the people in Scripture. When you look deeply into the incarnation, you know the song that says, the wonder of his love, the wonder of his love, it's not just a general wonder that just leaves you perplexed, but you discover inside of the wonder of God become man, that truth, you find a message of love, a message of love that embraces you. 
Because this is the story that God, who had all the divinity, authority, and power in the world, he just he laid it aside. He laid it all aside so that he could come down and to be like you. And so that in becoming like you, he could take on all the things that you lack, take on all the things that you have done wrong, as Yoko shared with us in, his, in her testimony today, all those things he, take, he took on, but he first had to lay aside his glory. We call, we Christians, we call that the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the good news of what God did for us. And in that, we find a message of love for us. But we don't fully understand it. We're not completely, we don't master this. But the truth of the matter is that you have to, even if you don't exhaustively understand what God become man means, even if you don't fully understand it, you have to receive it. You have to receive it. You're not going to get to the point where you fully understand it and therefore you accept it. But there needs to be a heart that receives it. Look at, look at Mary here in this story. She doesn't understand this exhaustively. Who does? Who will understand it completely? She doesn't, but she receives it. She receives it. And I think this is one reason why. Look at verse 35 again with me. This is really important here. The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Mary says, how can this be? How can this happen? I don't know how. I can't do this. She's just thinking about the ways that she lacks. I'm not even married. I'm 14 years old. There's so many things that I lack. How can this be? And the message that goes to her is, but Mary, the Lord, the Most High, will overshadow you. It's this picture of a dove hovering over the tabernacle. It's this picture of someone who is coming to cover over. And he's saying, you have to look at the one who's coming to overshadow you. And that's how you're going to be able to receive it. Look, this Christmas, don't look inside of yourself to find your joy and fulfillment. You're going to end up like the Times article from 2018. You have to look outside of yourself. In the Times article, um, the the article continues by saying that the reason that we have such a hard time finding happiness in our life is that every time we look at our lives, we just see the imperfections. It's kind of like maybe tonight some of you have a Christmas dinner at your house and you have this great table set and you want the table just to be just absolutely perfect, right? And now we have all of these decorations for Christmas and we have these plates that are stacked three high and they're getting smaller as they go up. I don't even know what the smallest one is for, but there's so many plates and there's so many little placements for everything. If you want it to be so perfect and you stare at that table, what do you see? You see all the imperfections, Right? Because you want it to be just perfect. And so you're looking at all the forks that are out of place, the napkin that's folded wrong, the cup that's in the wrong place. You're seeing all the imperfections. And the Times article says that's the problem with us. We look at our lives and we can only see the imperfections. We see all the things that we lack. So we have such a hard time being happy. Trying to be happy is making you miserable. You see, the message that comes to Mary at Christmas is... Mary, it's not about your lack. I know you lack, but the Most High comes to overshadow you. And let me tell you, inside of that is the message of salvation. That is actually the Christian message of salvation. 
that the Lord has come to overshadow us despite all of our faults. Mary felt her lack in a really deep way, but the message is he has come to overshadow you, to cover you with his love. And that is how you can find joy. Even if your life is not perfect, even if you have a lot of things wrong with you, the Christian Christmas message is that he has come and he has become like us so that he can overshadow us. Let me tell you this uh, through one man's story and then I'll close, okay? Um, there's a man named Matthew who wrote a gospel in the New Testament and he talks about in Matthew 9 his call to Jesus Christ. And Matt, Matt, Matthew was a tax collector. <clears throat> he was a tax collector and you know, being a tax collector, you know, the short, the short story is being a tax collector is really bad because you take this position where you can actually steal money from your own people. And it's a position that gives you the authority to do that. You steal money from your own people and even maybe even from your own family. And this tax position, this tax collector position, this tax booth gave you the authority to do that. Look, I don't know why he took this position I don't know what Matthew was trying to accomplish by becoming a tax collector. Maybe he came up poor, and maybe he said, you know, I'm not ever going to be poor. My kids will never be poor. I don't know. But for some reason, he felt that he had to be a tax collector and do this thing that everybody knew was bad. And he's in this tax booth doing this terrible and sinful thing of cheating people, and it's at that tax booth that Jesus meets him. Jesus meets him in the tax booth as he's doing this thing. And Jesus comes and he calls him, despite this terrible thing that he's doing, calls him to follow him. In all the ways that Matthew maybe was trying to make his life whole, I don't know why he became a tax collector. Maybe he felt like he needed to make himself right. Money, maybe. But whatever it was, Jesus comes and says, let me be the thing. Let me come and overshadow you. Let me come and be the thing that fills up those things instead. Now, the thing that I find interesting about Matthew's story is that he juxtaposes his calling right next to this party that Jesus goes to. And at this party that Jesus is reclining at, the religious leaders go up to Jesus' followers and they ask him, why does Jesus eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now, think about this. Matthew is the one writing this out. He's the one organizing the order. He's the one putting it, and he puts it right next to this call, and he writes this out. Why does your master sit and eat with tax collectors and sinners? To him, what is that question? The question is, why does he eat with you, you broken, messed up sinner? Why does he eat with you? Why does he accept you? And if I was Matthew, I would be thinking, yeah, why does he eat with me? Why does he eat with me? What is it about me? Why did he choose me? And yet, Jesus comes up with this great response to those who question. He says this, I came not for the righteous, but for sinners. You know what he's saying there? You know why I eat with them? Because I came for them. Why do you think I became a baby at Christmas? Why do you think I came, God become man in the immaculate conception? I came for them. I came for Matthew. All of you who feel like you have your life all in order, religious leaders, you have everything in order. Look, I didn't come for you. 
I came for those who lack. I came for those who are in need. Those who look at the table of their lives and only see the imperfections and know that they can't make it. I came for Matthew. I came for him. And by Matthew putting that right next to his call, I think what I see is Matthew glorying in this truth. Glorying in this truth. That Jesus Christ, he came for me. He came for tax collectors. And that means he came for the likes of me. And he's glorying in this. O holy night says, long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. That's Christmas. He came here for those who lack. The Lord overshadows you and he takes worthiness out of your hands. He comes, God become man. Why? So that he can become enough for you laid aside his glory, laid aside his majesty so that he could come and be enough for you. The Most High overshadows you. That's Christmas, brothers and sisters. And so what do we do in response to the one who laid aside his glory and his majesty? What do we do? We praise him. We give all glory right back to him. We give majesty back to him. Worthy are you, Lord. Glory to him. That's why we sing at Christmas. That's why I invite you to rise and let's pray together. My brothers and sisters, if you, if you try to find joy directly, you'll never get it. And you might even find that you're more depressed. But I, I really invite you to wonder at this grand truth that God became man. And as you wonder, I know it's not comfortable, but as you wonder, you might just find that joy that you're looking for. For the first time, maybe, in many Christmases. Joy through wonder. Let's wonder at the God-man who came to cover us, overshadow us, to give us grace. Let me give you a moment. Let's pray to God and let's go to him together. Father, I ask that you would help us to behold you, help us to see you. Maybe we haven't seen you this whole month talking about Christmas, 25 days now, and yet we have not beheld the God who became man to overshadow us. Help us at least today to wonder at your love and to wonder at this glorious truth. And I pray that by entering into that wonder and worship, that maybe for a first time in a long time, that you would give us joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing the song together.